Welcome to Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, where we promote integration and collaboration. Whether you are just starting your practice or you are ready to push the profession forward, we aim to provide you all the tools necessary to form relationships and educate your community. After all, spines of all sizes deserve to be adjusted. Welcome to our podcast and thanks for listening. Hey guys, it's Dr. K with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic, and I have the enormous blessing of interviewing Dr. Ren Bleem for my podcast. He is a wealth of information who has lived many lives. He used to work on a dairy farm, he worked on human beings for over 20 years, and now he's opening a new chapter, coupled with his wife, Melanie, where he is offering his healing hands to spines of all shapes and sizes. He's an AVCA and IVCA certified animal chiropractor, and he is also one of the proctors at the AVCA exams. Um, Um, So I know you guys are going to get a lot out of this episode, just like I did. I love talking to this awesome human being. So without further ado, here's my podcast with Dr. Ren Bling. Hey guys, you know what I hate? Patient notes. They are the worst. The last thing I want to do when I come home from a long day at work is sit down and write about what I did. Um, I see a lot of patients and it is near impossible for me to come home after a long day, interpret my chicken scratch on a napkin that I wrote about uh, the patient that I saw and write them into my computer and send those records off. It also adds a lot of admin time when I'm considering that I could be out seeing patients with the time that I'm sitting at home and doing notes. It just fries my brain. So thankfully, I found Carmi Swift of iPoint Touch. She talked me off a ledge. She found a program that worked for me that streamlined how I sent my records off. It streamlined my billing, my calendar, and literally things I didn't even know I needed and maybe more efficient so I could spend more time with patients instead of sitting at home doing records. So if you want a little bit more information, this is the top of the line, best animal chiropractic EHR that is available. I recommend you talk to Carmi Swift of iPoint Touch so she can get you a little bit more information and get your practice more successful. Again, look them up at iPointTouch.com. Hey guys, this is Caitlin Lackey with Making Strides for Animal Chiropractic. Thank you so much for joining us at the podcast today. I have an exciting guest. This is Dr. Ren Bleem in the great state of Illinois. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Bleem. Howdy. It's good to be here. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about yourself, your practice, and uh, how you got started. Well, I'm Dr. Ren Bleem. I'm a chiropractor in Illinois, as she said. I've been in Havana, Illinois for going on, well, almost 26 years. And I practiced in Indiana for a little bit and then over uh, by Champaign, Illinois for a little bit as well. And then moved here uh, just to uh, get my own place going. I guess that was the thing. I kind of fit in the best uh, in that situation. But uh, background on me, I grew up in a Southern Illinois on a dairy farm. Uh, so, you know, first 21 years of my life, I was doing that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's always been interesting. I've wanted to get, you know, and stay close to, I guess, farmers in general. But how I got into chiropractic was I injured myself on the farm. I actually, I was doing some welding, moving something heavy. My back acted a little funky. And then the next day I went and bent over to pick something up and I was kind of locked in a flexed position. That might be the best way to describe it. And went to the chiropractor. He straightened me out. I was pretty good at anatomy and physiology and that kind of stuff. So I'm like, well, maybe I'd rather do that to milk cows the rest of my life. You know, that's, that's 24 (laughs) seven, that type of thing. And so off to chiropractic college, I went. So yeah. 
Was that a family legacy thing where um, you guys had a dairy farm and maybe they're perhaps a little bit disappointed when you decided that chiropractic was your path instead of pursuing the dairy farm? Actually, no. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, you know, my father, he got his master's in animal husbandry and he started an organic dairy farm back before, you know, anybody really knew what organic was. And uh, over the years, I have four older siblings. They all, all went off and did something different. Um, and it was uh, the, the troublesome time in the eighties and high interest rates. And dad's like, you know what, we're not going to continue farming, um, you know, get everything sold off. Um, and everybody else kind of move off and do, you know, different things. You know, one became an engineer, another became a veterinarian teacher, heating and air. I became a chiropractor. I'm the youngest of five. Um, but, uh, yeah, after chiropractic, I went to, uh, actually, I went to Logan College. I guess I ought to let everybody know that. Logan College of Chiropractic, of course, it's now Logan University uh, at this point, but I graduated in April of 95. So I'm coming up on, uh, what would that be, 27 years That's a long time <laughs> since practicing. graduation. That's yeah. a long time practicing. That's awesome. And you didn't, you didn't really start out with animals, did you? Didn't you start first working on humans? Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I moved into Havana and, you know, farming community. It's a lot of specialty crops here. I mean, if you eat popcorn, it probably comes from Mason County. They grow peas and beans and and just about everything because uh, they can kind of control the weather. There's a lot of uh, um, irrigation that goes on here. Uh, so, yeah, I was able to connect with folks. They understood, you know, kind of where I came from. And that was a big connection. You sat down with a, with a, a farmer. And they're thinking, okay, this kid probably came from some big town. He doesn't know anything about farming. And then you say you're a dairy farmer and that's just like, boom, oh, that sets you uh, separate and apart. They're like, okay, that's like work. You, we don't work that hard because uh, yeah, that's every day, twice a day. Um, the farm actually wasn't that, that huge. We milked 125 head twice a day, but, um, but yeah, I was the, I guess the calf guy. I raised the calves that, you know, youngest, I guess I got stuck with the calves. So that's how I kind of ended up in a roundabout way in, the, in Havana. It's a long story, but I'm not going to go into it here. <laughs> <laughs> so were there any particular skills that you feel like transferred from working with the cows into your success with your, your human or your animal practice, Dr. Bleem? Well, not particularly with the human practice other than uh, just monitoring your own emotion level, I guess. Uh, with humans, but being around large animals, uh, you have to be comfortable at all times. They, you know, cattle are different than horses or different than llamas or hogs or whatever it may be, but large animal or large animal, they, you know, can kick you, crush you, kill you pretty quickly. And you can't be afraid because they, they sense that. And it, uh, growing up on a farm did make a huge difference. You know, I just not afraid to work. Uh, just taught that work ethic that, you need to, to plow through when things are, you know, tough or complicated, or you got to put in a, you know, 14, 16 hour day. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about how you organize your practice. Cause I know that you do still work on humans and then you also offer mobile animal chiropractic services. What is the structure of balancing those two worlds together? Wow. Balancing those two worlds. Well, I basically kept my original human practice schedule of uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday. And I added in animals because we're thinking, oh, okay, we're probably not going to get that busy really that fast. Well, it turned into 
I was seeing a lot of animals in the evening after five, you know, we're getting home at eight 39, 10 o'clock at night, two, three nights a week, uh, gone all day Saturday. Um, and so we've recently changed our, our scheduling. We work, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or no, or no, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we see humans, uh, eight to five. And then Wednesday is eight to six. And then Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, um, I see animals. Now I see small animal inside my human practice on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So somebody brings in a dog or a cat or, you know, something, something small, maybe a little, uh, you know, pygmy pig or something like that. Uh, anything that can kind of walk through the door, uh, I'll see during my human hours, interestingly enough. Um, but yeah, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I'm on the road, whether it's, uh, you know, 30 minute drive or a three hour drive, um, in order to see animals. So Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, we're, we're on the go, I guess is the, uh, <laughs> the best way to describe that. Yeah. So, yeah. And you used to work at a veterinary offices, right? For small animal. Is that correct? Actually, my wife did. Uh-huh. She um, she's worked for many, many years at a vet's office, so she's very familiar with the mannerisms of smaller animals. Mm-hmm. And she typically will be my handler um, unless um, she's not available, but she typically is. But yeah, she can hold the dog if there's, you know, something a little bit wonky that's going on or if they're in a lot of pain, you know, they tend to be a little bit reactive. And uh, yeah, she kind of takes care of of that part for me uh, typically. But most dogs after, you know, one or two treatments, they're like, okay, I know who you are. This is super chill. And the the owner, I just have the owner be the handler and show them how to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's worked out really, really well. So it's really funny if anyone knows Dr. Wren. Uh, we always say you need to get yourself a Melanie because I feel like your wife is the best asset you have to your business. Can you speak a little bit more to her role of, you know, outside of handling everything that she does to help keep you focused, keep you balanced and everything like that? Because I, I feel like she is awesome and has really helped you succeed moving your practice to seeing animals. Yeah, absolutely. It, it doesn't all fall on my shoulders. I she runs the practice. She's my office manager. She does my billing and compliance and, and just management, everything. She uh, does my scheduling. She's uh, first contact classically with every uh, client or veterinarian that needs information. So she, and, and she's very knowledgeable in chiropractic. I mean, she's gone to every, uh, uh, I guess, advanced animal chiropractic thing I've done. Um, She's gone to many uh, chiropractic seminars with me. So she really has a good basis and understands when somebody asks a question, she can answer it. And yeah, Melanie just pretty much runs the show. I get to play doctor. uh, And and that takes a lot of stress off because she's the one on the phone. And yeah, I definitely would recommend uh, once you get going, finding finding a Melanie who really just, who does all the work. Um, I get to have the fun part. Uh, she even does my notes while I'm working on a horse. I'll just call out the listings and she just puts them right in the computer. So yeah, it, uh, you know, finding somebody like that is a bit of a com- complication. I uh, was lucky enough, you know, I, I married the, this person and, and uh, it works out really well. And, and you go back, I'm going to jump back to, you know, balancing things out that work-life balance. Um, Melanie travels with me everywhere. Uh, thankfully, my kids are, have basically grown now. Uh, my son's 21. My daughter's 19. My son will graduate college in May, and my daughter is uh, at Blackhawk College up in Galva, Illinois. She's working on a horse science technology uh, degree at this at this stage, and 
But yeah, Melanie's with me all the time. So if the phone rings, she's answering it. She's talking to folks while I'm driving, you know, whether it's a 30 minute drive or a three hour drive, she's fielding all the, the emails that come in, all the Facebook messages, all the texts and everything like that. Basically that she's the contact, um, her numbers on the card, um, the business card and they are, you know, call our office and they're transferred to her or call her cell phone. And she answers, you know, right there. She has everything in her phone. If we're traveling and we need um, a referral or something like that, she can email it right there. Uh, again, she, <laughs> she kind of does everything. Again, I get to play doctor, which is, you know, really, really kind of cool. <laughs> I feel like this helps your overall patient experience because I've run into this myself where I literally am wearing all the hats. I'm answering phone calls. I'm, um, you know, putting on all the appointments. I'm collecting payment. I'm doing the notes. Like I personally feel like once you get to a certain patient level, if you're wanting to scale and have the best customer experience that you almost need to separate yourself and divvy out all the hats. So do you feel like your, your clients are responsive to having that contact instead of talking directly to the doctor or what are your feelings on that? I think absolutely. And then again, she's knowledgeable. She can answer the questions. Um, she, you know, believes that chiropractic helps everything. Um, she, you know, she, she gets the bullet points, checks it off. Has it been vetted? You know, is there other things? And, and again, working in the vet clinic for all those types of years, everything transfers, whether it's a, you know, a chihuahua or, or a cow or a, or a horse, you know, an animal is an animal. What has the vet done? And what does the vet say about this? And then we move on from there, you know, uh, but again, she's like, you know, chiropractic kind of helps everything. So she's, she's really been able to to really just take control and, and take care of things for me, which is, which is awesome. Yeah. I can't say enough about her. I, you know, she, she's kind of that person in the background, yeah. but, but still the, whenever I'm even adjusting an animal, I'm, I, I work through the entire thing. I can focus 100% on the animal, um, especially that first visit. And she actually explains the adjustment, like, okay, the reason he's, you know, waving the spine is he's looking for this. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, he's going to do this cause he's going to check the ribs. Yeah. That was actually the stifle that he just loosened up. You know, he's doing that stretch because it affects this, this way. Um, you know, this is a good time to take pictures if you want to see something really cool. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that explanation is uh, is a huge deal for the clients yeah. because then they know what's going on. They've, they're like, oh, yeah, I've seen chiropractic before. Yeah. However, they hear the explanation and they're like, you know, mind blown. They're like, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. You yeah. know, whenever I've seen it done, the person comes in, boom, 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 leaves. And they don't tell me other than what they found but I don't understand the process and the, the client understanding the process makes them, you know, become more, I guess, uh, emotionally invested. So they're going to, you know, that emotional connection will have them talk to other people because they're like, Oh yeah, I had this guy come and it was super cool. And it was explained and, you know, they get excited about it. And whenever a person gets excited about something like, Oh, okay, I want to see that. Where's he going to be next time? Or when's he coming back? Cause I'm thinking about having my horse worked on or dog or, or whatever it may be. So, yeah. 
It's like having a chiropractic tour guide almost. To explain uh, yeah. You know what? I, I, I need to say that that's a, that's a good term. I think I need to write that one down. You know, this yeah. is your chiropractic tour guide. I'm going to be, I'm going to be driving the bus over here. Yes. So uh, I'm all my mechanical stuff over here, but she's yeah. the one who's really going to tell you, explain. you know, what's going on. That's, that's so great. Cause it allows you to focus on being the very best doctor. You can be being present with the animal because a lot of times these large animals, especially they demand your full attention when you're working on them. That's um, right. yeah. So is there anything in particular you feel like clients really resonate with that? Um, you know, does she have like a speech she goes through with every patient? Like, do you follow like XYZ bullet points? Is there anything in particular you feel like new docs could definitely write down and use um, in their toolkit that she says? Well, she does have, uh, you know, very specific things that she, that she checks off, um, you know, the phone calls. I'm not a, I, I really don't know a whole lot about what she says on the phone calls because I don't, uh, um, I'm not there for those. I'm seeing humans typically, or I'm driving and she's, you know, chatting away. Uh, but definitely with the animal, uh, you know, a horse or, or uh, you know, bovine, porcine, whatever it may be that you're working on. Yeah, there's, it's, it's, it's kind of the same thing over and over again. Um, but that ex explanation, once it's heard, you know, she hits some high points, maybe the second visit, but then people just kind of get it. They understand that, you know, it is all about function. We want to see a better wave. We want to see a more relaxed head carriage. We want to see the big fat blanks after the adjustment, you know, oh yeah, he is actively, you know, bending right and left better than whenever we started. Um, there is, you know, the short stepping on the right has gone away or whatever it may be. We can talk about, I can talk about those things afterward, but during the adjustment is kind of the biggest thing these people are like, you know, locked in on. So that's kind of a big deal versus the quiet, you know, they're just watching. They don't know what you're doing. Um, so explanation is a big, is kind of a big thing. Absolutely. Well, it's so interesting that she has taken up that role. Um, and, you know, she's probably seen it firsthand, like her entire life. I understand, you know, you've been working on humans for a very long time. And then you, you branched out and reached a new chapter where you, you know, started going back to your roots and working on these animal patients. So right. was that, was that um, transition easy for you working on animal patients? Or do you feel like there was a lot of, you know, tension in building those veterinary relationships or did it just lend itself naturally because you did have a lot of these farmers that were already under your care uh, for human chiropractic? How did that kind of work? Um, I think it was, it kind of worked for me because again, I've already had that, um, that mindset for, you know, being a, being a farm guy. Uh, cause so you're already just kind of walking into that, that type of situation. So yeah, definitely the background in farming is huge. Uh, mainly again, because of that quiet confidence, whenever you are with an animal, because it, you just have to have that. That's kind of a big deal. You got to downregulate yourself. You got to enter into that animal space with intention and whatever intention that you have, that horse is reading it. Because again, you probably heard a heart math, you know, the horse is throwing an EMF field of 10 feet around itself. You're about four feet and you step into that 10 feet. It's like, whoa, there's some stuff going on. If you're anxious or if you're thinking about, you know, okay, I got 14, you know, horses to see, or I got to drive 200 more miles or whatever it may be. That kind of stuff has to kind of like go away. You know, present time consciousness is a big thing. And, and then you just walk in there and, and you just do your job. You got to be right there with the animal and reading them all the time. You know, mannerisms of a cow is different than mannerisms of an, like an alpaca or, or a, uh, or a hog or, or, uh, 
you know, or horse or whatever it may be. So learning mannerisms, you know, people that are like, well, you know what? I'd love to adjust horses, but I don't know anything about them. You know, find a place that you can just go hang out with horses. Um, a lot of, a lot of times it's therapy places. That's kind of where I got, you know, most of my stuff. We had a horse on the farm. It wasn't uh, well-trained or anything. I never rode it. Um, but again, I was, you know, it's a large animal. Large animals have similar mannerisms, but a, a cow will slowly crush you, <laughs> you know, a horse will kick you and kill you. I mean, you know, it, it, there's the, there's the differences there, but you just learn, you know, what's tension, what's not tension. Is it posturing? Um, you know, are they really angry? Uh, that kind of stuff, but you just have to spend time with animals. And that's probably the biggest thing for new docs, uh, is just spend time and just learn, take notes. Um, and, and just, you got to just jump in there and, and, and not be afraid to, you know, kind of do it wrong initially because you're going to learn from your mistakes. Do you have any specific tips and tricks of like, this is, if, if you're a list person, I'm a list person of like how you can bring yourself back down to being present. So I know some people they'll like try and sync their breathing with the horse's breathing, or some people will have to like sit for a minute and like meditate. Or do you have like any particular like routines you do to get into the animal's space um, and maybe outside of yourself? So that way you can be present with them. Any tips for doing that? I would say probably belly breathing initially when, you know, you step out of the truck before you even enter the barn, um, because you have to consider a, a horse's, a horse, a horse, especially, uh, they're, they have the smell of, of like, uh, you know, a shark. They knew what you smelled like as soon as you spe- stepped into that barn, you know, whenever they're putting their nose up to you, they're not, they're sampling you. They're not, they're not smelling you at that point. They're way past that. So, yeah, you know, I mean, there's nervous sweat, uh, that happens. So you gotta have to downregulate yourself, but, you know, I would say deep breathing, you know, if you're walking in and the horse is jacked up, it's a thoroughbred and it's three years old and, you know, bouncing around a little bit. You just kind of have to like, okay, you have to drop, you have to take yourself and put yourself really low because their energy is really high. So if you bring yours down, they'll pull down in order to match kind of where you are. But I would say, yeah, that's the biggest thing I do is just some deep breaths or even just put my hands on the horse and deep breath because you got to consider what a horse breathes. What it's only, it's, it's only what, 20 times a minute. So it's kind of hard to match that. (laughs) If I only had 20 breaths a minute, I'd pass out. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's your mindset and be very, very, very present with the horse. Yeah. Maybe there's a tractor running or there's a jackhammer running over there or something, something's going on. You just have to like tune out everything again, present time consciousness, uh, that PTC they talk about in chiropractic in general, you have to be there and you have to care and you have to, and you're just there to help them. And if it is a matter of the animals jacked up, you have to walk up to him and say, Hey, you know what? You're safe. I'm here to help you today. Um, I want you just to kind of try to relax best you can. And don't be afraid to talk to the horse. I whisper to him, you know, quite a bit when I can tell, you know, that they're jacked up. I've had some fire breathers that I've had to work on and, and they just settled down and worked through them. And, and even the owner was like, okay, I, I didn't tell you at the beginning, but this horse does not like men. Um, but they didn't even bat an eye whenever you worked through them. So I think it has to do with a lot with intention. You know, a farrier's thinking about swinging a hammer um, or, or something like that. The veterinarian's thinking about, I got to stick this needle in them. I got to, you know, probe, probe them and, and, you know, fiddle around with them or, or whatever it may be. You know, a dentist is like, yeah, I got to put this contraption in your mouth. So how are you going to react to that? 
Um, I'm just going to say that you're going to do better with chiropractic. And that's, that's the intention I, well, I present myself with, with every animal, but also it takes years of practice. You know, I didn't get that down quickly. Uh, I've worked with humans for, like I said, for, you know, 22 odd years before I moved to this. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what's going on in your life. As soon as you walk in that adjusting room, you have to turn off whatever that stuff is. It doesn't matter if your dog just died. You have to turn on that present time consciousness because there, that person is there for you um, and you are there for them, period. So you sync up again, you know, heart math there, you're in their personal space and you're taking care of them. So you really have to dial it in regardless of what's going on in your life and take the best care you can of them immediately at that point and then move on. I mean, it's, it's fine to have issues. We all do, but yeah, you have to kind of set them, set them down in order to get, again, the best possible adjustment because you're transferring energy to them and they're transferring energy to you. So it's this give and take situation. Yeah. Yeah. I find with large animals, I find a lot of uh, people think that they can overpower a horse and force the adjustment to happen, especially if they've never been around horses before. Right. Um, we, we do run into some of that at uh, some of our, our training programs. And can you speak a little bit more to working with these large animals that potentially can kill you if you don't work with them instead of against them? Yeah, you have to, you have to be like super super relaxed. Like if you're grabbing a hold of the the hind leg, you know, you're hunched over there. You're in a situation that you're kind of in the firing zone. Um, and, but you got to hold on tight because sometimes they'll start kicking and you just kicking around a little bit, trying to get you to, to let go. And you just kind of hold on and you got to relax everything, but your grip, because you don't want to hurt your muscles, uh, or your shoulder or whatever it may be, and just let them wiggle it around And then, you know, again, I talk to them, you know, I'll tell them, ho, or I was like, you're good. Hey, just give me a second here. I'll get this figured out. And then we're going to get you adjusted. It's all fine. Cause again, they can hear really well also. So they can, they can hear the tone of your voice and how you're breathing and all those kind of things. But it's, it's a matter of staying relaxed um, because everything's an ask. It's never a tell. You're not going to force a 1400 pound animal to do anything. You know, I've adjusted Percheron's at or as tall as 19.2, you know, that is a humongous animal. He, he's 20, he, he's, you know, he's a ton. Uh, he, he weighs a ton and he, it's an ask. It's, it's never a tell. You're going to, you're going to move into it slowly and easily. And if they don't want to come and you're getting, uh, you know, getting the feedback that you, okay, let's go to the other side. Okay. You know what? We're not going to start here. We're going to move over here. And then we're going to work on, you know, through the animal. Do I need to adjust your C1 first? and let you stand there for a while and just breathe before I move on and check your sacrum or whatever it may be. Um, but yeah, it's always an ask. It's never a tell. So do you have any tips for working with different kinds of farm animals? Cause I personally, I've worked on two cows, but I know nothing about cows. <laughs> um, I did, several people have tried to refer me pigs or sheep or something like that. And I feel like nowadays, especially, um, we're more, um, you know, city dwellers than we are farm dwellers. And um, a lot of us don't have a lot of experience working with these barnyard animals. And I, I think it's a shame because, you know, 
good animal husbandry is hard to come by. And, um, I think that a well-adjusted animal is a better quality life and maybe, um, maybe gives better quality meat when they are to pass on and enter into our system. So do you have any words of wisdom for these people wanting to take care of, I, I guess, these livestock type animals and the different kinds of animals? Cause you know, horses, obviously most people go through the program, want to work on those, but it's not everyone that wants to work on cows or sheep or pigs or things like that. I would say, well, it's all about anatomy. I mean, chiropractic is chiropractic. You just need to know the lines of drive and uh, go from there. Um, also approaching everything with confidence. Take, and you have to, you just need to take some classes on advanced uh, animal chiropractic. I've been lucky enough to take 80 hours in that. Um, 80, 40, 60, I don't know. I don't know. It's a bunch of hours um, in uh, advanced animal chiropractic. But again, I was just, I was blessed enough to be familiar with the animal walking into it, having grown up, you know, with them. Um, because yeah, you're, you're, you're working on a, on a, uh, on a cow or a, a heifer or a steer or a bull or whatever it may be. And they're in a squeeze chute. So, you know, taking classes to understand how to adjust whenever they're in a squeeze chute, um, how to not get your arm broke. Uh, and while you're doing this, cause they're, you know, they're powerful animals. I mean, sure. Show animals are usually like, whatever, do whatever you want. You can actually pick up your, my feet, even if you're a cow, which is rare, but still you can do that. They somehow understand. And, but it, it's, uh, it's a process. I, you just have to, again, you're going to find somebody you can go hang out with and learn about animals, but taking the classes and, and they'll teach you how to do it. Um, there's actually a gal in Texas that, that adjusts a lot of uh, cattle down there. And I was able to take a class with her and she, you know, gave a good rundown of how, how things were put together because, you know, a spine for the cows different than a spine for the horse is different from the spine from an alpaca or whatever it may be, or a hog or whatever you're working on. Uh, but mostly it's lines of drive, you know, a thrust is a thrust like, Hey, which way is it stuck? Oh, it's stuck that way. Okay, we need to return motion into that joint. We need to reset the neurology of that joint because then you get the feedback and then, you know, everything turns on like it's supposed to and voila, you're back to, you know, a better functioning animal or you're getting the nerve flow to the muscles across the back strap that may be, uh, you know, breaking down because of subluxation in the, in the withers or the thoracolumbar junction of, you know, a beef cow, um, something like that. Um, yeah, I would say take, take some extra, take the, the classes because the instructors will be like, have you ever touched a hog before? No. Okay. We're going to show you how to do it. Um, <laughs> or, you know, feel free to shadow somebody that does to say, Hey, can I just come hang out? I just want to watch you adjust today. I want to, I want to see how this works and what are you doing? Um, and, and go from there. But usually it's just, yeah, take the classes and be not afraid <laughs> to get in there or just to ask what's the worst they could say. No. Okay. Find somebody else. Yeah. Awesome. What has been your response to working on livestock animals? Cause they're different than companion animals to where, you know, there is a lot of involvement with the veterinarian. What has been your experience working with large animal and getting a hold of these vets to, you know, get a, a, a supervision or to get a signature for a referral? Because I understand Illinois is a referral state. Um, so what's been your experience working with these large animal vets versus small animal vets? Well, it's kind of interesting when we first started, um, you know, I got my IVCA certification after, 
right at the end of graduating options. And by the way, I went to options <laughs> out in Wellsville. I guess we didn't, I didn't uh, mention that. So yeah, I got home and I'm like, okay, I'm certified. Cool. We're going to send off some letters to the vets and give them a heads up that, Hey, I'm you know starting to do this kind of thing. And inter- interestingly enough, several of them actually just took the letter, stuffed it in an envelope and mailed it to this, the uh, Illinois Veterinary Association and said that I was doing things uh, illegally. Um, so yeah, that was kind of like, no, it's in the Vet Practice Act. I can do this. I just need a referral. Um, so you find the vets that uh, will refer. Uh, and then a, a really a big thing is they're on the property and you go adjust an animal and they see it happen. And even though maybe they've, I've had one, I have one vet that actually has gone through, I think, Healing Oasis. Um, and she is a, a vet adjuster, but she saw me adjust some horses one day because she was there for some other uh, vet work. And she's like, you know what, I'm done, but I'm, ad- I'm done adjusting my horses. I don't know what I'm doing as well as you know what you're doing. So I'm going to have you come do my five horses, uh, that type of thing. But them seeing, seeing you is probably the biggest thing. Um, the response of the uh, owners is, is huge. Um, just the the positive feedback because the veterinarian's like, oh, okay, I'm getting good feedback from this guy. I've seen him adjust, whatever it may be. Um, but you know, there are some vets that are like, no, you know, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna uh, refer. But the owners typically will go, well, I'll find a different vet because I want this done. Um, I own this animal. I want this animal taken care of. It's my property. I should be able to choose Dr. Bleem if I want to. Um, so they'll just go find a different veterinarian. Now, granted, most vets have to do an exam and yada, yada to get them into their system. Uh, but in general, now things have gone really pretty smooth. It's been a couple of years. Um, some vets, it's really easy. We just, it's almost a, a phone call type of thing, or they'll just text. You just need some kind of verbal authorization um, or text authorization or a form that says, yeah, you can, you can see my animals, but things have gone really smooth. Initially things were like, oh my gosh, these guys all hate me. Um, I'm never going to get any referrals, but that changed pretty quickly after they, uh, after really certification certification matters. I'm AVCA certified. I took it. I took the IVCA. I took them both. I didn't, you know, grandfather into the one or the other. And um, just to talk about that a little bit, the AVCA exam, the written is really weird. The practical is amazing because they find out if you know what you're doing practically. Uh, I was, I've been an examiner for the AVCA uh, for their practical exam. So that was kind of cool. The IVCA, the written exam, really hard. You better know chiropractic. You better know um, anatomy and neurology and understand stuff because that written is really hard. The practical for the AVCA is really hard. If you put those two together, um, that would be kind of an amazing thing uh, to do. Mm -hmm. But uh, but yeah, I think certification matters. I have plenty of vets that are like, oh, is he certified? Yes. Who's he certified through? Okay, good. I will refer to him. Anybody else that sends me a referral, I will not because they don't have the certification. So certification matters. And I'm the only dual certified uh, chiropractor in Illinois right now mm-hmm. with both certifications. And I think there's only one other that may have the advanced uh training that I have. And I think they're up North, uh, somewhere, but, um, 
but yeah, the advanced training is a big deal too. Cause you can say, Hey, you know what? It was 220 hours of study. Then I went off and I got advanced training. I guess I probably do have close to 200 hours because I've done, you know, basic advanced, advanced one, advanced two, <laughs> you know, and, and, and move through that kind of process. But I would say certification matters with veterinarians because they want to know you're competent. It's no different than if you went through chiropractic college and never took a chiropractic board and then decided to perform chiropractic. It's like, wait a minute, you didn't pass your boards. You didn't even take your boards. So you're not really certified. Yeah. You went through school, but I want to see your certification. I want to see that piece of paper on the wall. And that's what vets really want to see. They want to see that certification. That's interesting because I find that the vets in Texas, especially have no idea there's a certification for that. Like there's (laughs) zero awareness of like, Oh, there's school for that. Really? Like, um, I actually have had a couple of people laugh at me. They're like, there's a school for that. I'm like, yes. And then there's a board exam with that. So it's interesting that, you know, you have the vets that recognize that because I would say most of them have no idea what ABCA is. They don't even know what animal chiropractic is. So, um, that's interesting because I haven't run into that before. I mean, they of course ask like, do you have a license? And like, you know, we have our little card and then we have our like diploma and stuff that go with it. But I haven't had anyone ask like, what exactly is your training yet? So it's interesting that the vets in your area do know that. That's exciting. Yeah, pretty much all through Illinois because I'm, I travel as far as Chicago and as far South as Waterloo, which is three hours plus from, from my human practice. Um, so I, in larger barns, I'll go up you know, North and see, you know, a dozen horses or down South and do that kind of thing. So, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So you, uh, backtracking a little bit, you said that the, the best way to get a large animal vet on board was a demonstration. So are there good ways to, I guess, uh, channel that and get that demonstration? Cause a lot of them are busy, right? So what is the best tactics to, get on their schedule. So that way they will watch you do these, um, you know, the, the chiropractic adjustment, because a lot of people struggle with that. Like I know I'm mobile and my schedule is crazy. And I can only imagine what veterinarian schedules are like, cause they're always doing emergencies. Right. So what is the best way to get a vet and get these demonstrations? Well, you're kind of on the vet schedule then, mm-hmm. you know, you find out from the owner, uh, maybe it's a barn that has, you know, 20 horses or something like that, or it's a riding facility and, um, has 20 horses and it's a matter of, okay, when's the vet going to be there? Um, okay. They're going to be here on such and such date, such and such time. Great. You know what? I'm going to just come and, uh, basically do a demo. I'm just going to adjust one of your horses, maybe at no cost or, um, are all just come and and adjust your horses regularly, but just kind of make sure that that's close. So they kind of see, because usually they're watching from a distance and they're like, wait, I want to know what this thing's happening over here. So you're kind of on the vet schedule. That's kind of what's worked. I would say you're not, yeah, again, the vets are busy. So are you, Um, but try and figure out when the vet's going to be there from the, uh, the owner's, uh, you know, schedule and then be there at the same time because they become interested. Even if it's only, they see you work through half the horse or maybe one horse and that's it. But, um, the experience I've had, they really want to talk to you afterward. Cause they're like, okay, yeah, I got, I'm supposed to be somewhere in like 30 minutes, but can you just answer this one or two questions for me really fast? And then you do that and they've seen it happen and you explain neurology and you use orthopedic testing or you use orthopedic words and you talk about, you know, uh, like nerve irritation, which is fine, but you, 
orthopedics is a big deal. Vets love orthopedics. So talk about that. What are you doing to the stifle? Why are you adjusting the sacroiliac joint? And what's the purpose of what changes are you making? Well, we're changing neurology. And if we can change neurology in the joint, then we have our, you know, uh, proprioceptive changes due to the car. What are the corpuscles, you know, Persini corpuscles being activated. Vets love that stuff because they're like, Ooh, yeah, that's so cool because they, that's their, that's their jam. And then they're like, Oh, you understand neurology. Cool. So what? Yeah. Well, chiropractor, I'm really kind of a functional neurologist. I like to say that as well. You know, I'm a functional neurologist. I want to make sure the function of the neurology is the best it possibly can and get this horse working because the difference between first and second sometimes is that far, you know, and if your animal comes in first, you know, yeah, you're the vet, but you can say, hey, so-and-so, you know, just one on the track or the barrel race or whatever it may be. So it's all about function. And and neurology and orthopedics, vet, veterinarians love to hear that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes it's appropriate to bring out the big words. I think sometimes yes. we turn off the big words because we're working with owners all the time. Yes, you're <laughs> absolutely like, correct. Hold on. Let me, let me shift gears and talk <laughs> yeah. through the, the nice words. Hold on. My cat's meowing. <laughs> That's fine. I have three, but I'm surprised one's not been on my keyboard yet. So... <laughs> Um, so talk to us a little bit more, because I understand that you worked at uh, worked at probably several racetracks, actually. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience working with, um, you know, horses that are racing? Yeah, absolutely. Racetracks are a completely different animal <laughs> to to uh, get into and work at because they will have you show up for their barn. And then, of course, they'll be like, off you go. You know, we don't want anybody else to know that you're here because if they're faster, that means they could beat me, you know, kind of thing. Um, and for the last few years, we've done the, uh, oh, let's see, what is this, down in Collinsville. And for some reason, it's just gone out of my brain. But anyway, down in Collinsville at the racetrack there, one of the guys said, hey, you're actually trying to run this as a business. You let everybody know you're coming. You're going to show up. You're going to be at barn D and then you're going to be at barn A and then you're going to be at barn F and you're going to stop at every barn and say hi. And just to check um, to find out, you know, who needs you versus the guy that comes in, sees one or two and leaves. Uh, so you'll sometimes we show up and we'll see two or three and leave. Other times, you know, it's it's a dozen at the racetrack. But thoroughbreds are, they're jacked up. Um, they're going all the time. So again, it's all about calming yourself and, and, and having a good handler. Uh, the first, the first, uh, horse that I adjusted at the, at Fairmount park, that's the name of Fairmount park down in Collinsville, uh, was a stallion and he was three. And I was just asking him to flex forward a little bit. And he stood up on his hind end, you know, flexed his pecs at me and said, dude, what are you doing? Um, this is after I adjusted his pelvis and his lumbars and his withers and everything. I was just getting ready to check his neck. Uh, it's just checking range of motion of his neck. And, you know, the, the handler person said, he'll fight you. I said, okay. I kind of stepped to him a little bit. He dropped down. I got in his ear. I said, Hey dude, you know what? Just let me finish this. Then you can go on and do whatever you need to do with yourself. But so thoroughbreds are, they're pretty wound up. They, you know, they get out only about an hour a day. Um, they're very well taken care of though. Oh my gosh. You know, they're people like horse racing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, they're very well taken care of. Uh, these animals are, you know, 
they're vetted very well. There's a vet tip on site all the time. And I say hi to him. I've actually adjusted the vet's horse there on the track. Um, and uh, yeah, the, but it's, it's a matter of you just got to get a hold of an owner and kind of get in there. Um, I'm actually the only, I'm the only chiropractor in Illinois that has a, uh, a racing license. <laughs> so, and uh, I think you're still, yeah. Um, so I have a thoroughbred racing license and a standard bred racing license. So I can get onto any track in Illinois just by showing my, my card. So they had Tell to us more about how did you get that license? Because I know oh. there's a couple other people that would like to do so. And I understand it's hard, right? It's, it's, uh, my wife says it was easier birthing babies, um, than, than getting this racing license, um, because they fingerprint you and background check you. And then the vet, I think of the Illinois vet has to actually you know, sign off on you and, and all these other moving parts too. Um, so there's some hoops to jump through and phone calls and it took weeks and weeks and weeks. And then finally we hit things at the right point and we actually had to go to the track and, um, you know, wait in line, get your picture taken, do the biometric thing, you know, and then they print it out and now you got your card and then the renewal happens. I think the renewal's coming up next month. Um, but then, yeah, you have to renew it every year. Uh, but it's, it, it's like, I don't know, it, it's worse than pulling teeth. <laughs> so. Was it worth it though? Did it open a lot of doors getting that, um, that license, that card? I think it just simplified getting on to the track because a, by, by law on the track, you're supposed to be escorted by the, the, uh, the trainer um, or the owner to the horse barn. Um, and initially I was, but then, you know, you get to know people and they're like, oh yeah, that's right. You're on the list. You're going to go to so-and-so's barn. Cool. Just check out whenever you leave, stop, let us know you're getting off the track. And so, yeah, you check in and you check out and, but yeah, there was sign in, sign out uh, stuff. We had to get wristbands, uh, to wear that we were visitors on the track until I got the actual license. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just for simplicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would suggest doing it because you never know when you're going to get a call. Uh, you know, if Hawthorne up in Chicago calls me, I can, I can just go on the track cause I have my, have my thing, but if the lay person gets the call, they're going to be like, we're not, that's actually really hard to get on the track up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they won't probably escort you or anything. So, yeah. Interesting. And I understand you uh, sometimes see human beings as well out of the track. Can you tell me a little bit more about the balance of working in those humans? Because they have a hard time getting into the clinic, don't they? Right, exactly. Well, you know, I travel three hours from my clinic. So, um, you know, if I have a, you know, six, seven, eight horse, you know, barn somewhere and the owner's like, hey, you know what? It's been a while since I've been adjusted. I have a, I carry my table with me. I'm like, hey, listen, if you're balanced and your horse is balanced, you're both are going to be working much better together. Cause again, it's all about function. If your pelvis is off, you're torquing the, the uh, saddle a little bit, that's going to throw off the, the withers or the rib cage or whatever it may be. The horse has to compensate for you because of your imbalance. So you guys become a unit, you know, you're working together as the horse and the rider. And uh, I've worked on, well, mostly it's dressage people that I adjust the riders and the horses kind of at the same time. And there's correlations. I've had a horse that like, okay, you know, left AS, got some lumbar issues, tightened the pole, loosened up withers, whatever. And then the rider's like, you know what, my left sacroiliac has been bothering me. Oh yeah. You know what? I've had some headaches because I've been stressed out. Well, 
they're together with the horse so much, again, they kind of become one unit. So if you can balance the rider horse component, that's kind of a big deal. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've, um, interestingly enough, I've, I've had people that are, <laughs> I'm adjusting their horse. And about the third time I come back to adjust the horse, whenever it may be, they're like, you know what, can you adjust my five-year-old and me? And I'm like, well, absolutely. You know, I carry the table with me. Um, and there's plenty of times I'll adjust three or four horses. And then the owners will be like, Hey, can you work on me? It's been, you know, a couple of months since I've been adjusted. Because again, we start talking about that balance and that function of the two together. Um, you know, how are you setting in the saddle? If you got problems, your horse is going to have problems and you're going to, you know, perpetuate an issue many times because a lot of riders don't get adjusted. They don't get themselves balanced. They don't neurologically get their systems reset. So they're transferring that to their animal. So we got to fix that. Well, thank you so much for sharing all this wealth of information. I want to be respectful of your time. Um, Tell me a little bit more about maybe um, your best tips and tricks for someone who's wanting to get started. They're wanting to practice on large animal full time um, and then maybe where they can find you and learn more about you and your practice. Uh, sure. Uh, let's see. Tips and tricks. You know, I'm looking through some of the notes that I wrote um, and, uh, you know, I'd say the biggest thing is just don't be afraid. I mean, just step into it. And, and just make it happen. I mean, you're a chiropractor, you know, chiropractic is chiropractic. Neurology is neurology. Uh, you're, you're making changes there. You know, you're changing innate intelligence. You're, you're correcting subluxation. That's your job. Uh, so it, it, it is intent. It's, it's just get it done. Somebody will call and say they need something done. I mean, do you, as a human chiropractor, do you worry every time somebody walks into the office as a new patient? You're like, no, because I want, you know, 50 new patients a month. That's, that's wonderful. Um, so you, you get shook up about the human and there's all different stages, you know, sizes and shapes and all those kind of things and issues. Um, but animals are, you know, kind of the same situation. They all have stuff going on. Uh, so just step in there and don't, don't be afraid to get it done. And, you know, I, before I took advanced training, I was asked to adjust ho hogs and alpacas and cattle. Um, it was one of those Google searches like, oh, sheep, what are the, you know, what degree is their sacroiliac joints and what do their facets look like? And, you know, what's going on with their, you know, hawks and stifles or whatever it may be. Um, okay. I just have to change my line of drive a little bit in order to make, make the, the differences in the, in the spine that, that are necessary, uh, overall. So yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the thing that you have to just step in there and not be afraid just to get it done. Just get started, I think is what I took away from that. Because yeah. even if you make a mistake, it's better than not getting started at all. Because right. you can, you know, start down the wrong path and course correct, or you can stand in the same place and your practice won't go anywhere. So even if you take imperfect action, it's better than no action at all. Right. Well, and, and yeah, definitely. And it's going to take a lot of action. Uh, you know, we, we now, thankfully the kids are older, uh, but I work you know, 50, 60 hours a week um, now. And thankfully I can, because my, my children are older. If this presented itself, you know, 10 years ago, that wouldn't have worked, you know, kind of for my life. Uh, it works really well now because of my, my kids are older. And that's, that's kind of a big thing. It's uh, just being able to go and do, and I go with my wife, you know, that's another thing We we spend time together. We, we say that we, 
we run off and we'll get ourselves, you know, lost out in the middle of nowhere where, you know, the road keeps getting narrower and narrower. And you're like, are you kidding me? They're down this road. That's what they said. You turn on this, you know, thing, and it's going to be like one lane road for about a mile. And then there's their place. And, uh, you know, we get ourselves lost, but also with the animals, we've also found ourselves and um, it's made, it's made big difference, you know, in our life. It, I was, I was practicing for 22 years and, and on humans, and I was ready to quit. And without the animal chiropractic, I would have gone off and I was looking at going back to school and becoming a teacher or, or doing HVAC or, or becoming a welder. I mean, I went to the, the schools and actually talked to them, like, what's it going to take for me to go down this path? Because I'm, I'm done with it. But I had a couple of patients who were like, Hey, have you, you know, considered chiropractic on animals? And I'm like, well, you know, I've had people ask, but why should I do that kind of thing? Um, even though my wife, even a year before was like, um, you should go to animal chiropractic college, you know, but that's my wife talking to me. Why would I want to listen to her? Well, yeah. you know, it comes back around and, and she found the right place for me. And I, and, and Wellsville was really good for me because I'm dyslexic. Um, it was all hands-on, uh, you know, I wasn't diagnosed as a dyslexic, um, until I was 45. So that was kind of interesting. Um, but I mean, yeah, the, the biggest thing was I have this knowledge set and this skill set. How can I use that and become, you know, an HVAC guy or a welder or whatever it may be. Uh, but chiropractic is my, is my lane and getting an animal chiropractic. I can use the same knowledge set. I can use the same, uh, skill set and, and just move forward with it. It's been just tons of fun. You get to, you get to meet all kinds of great people. You get to see the countryside a lot and I just super have enjoyed it. And, uh, and yeah, I, I, I don't know, it's really worked out really well. I hope to do this, you know, full time for another, I don't know, 12, 13 years. Uh, when I'm 65, I'd, um, like to slow down a little bit <laughs> if that's possible. Uh, but yeah, you, you just have to go out there and do stuff and, and having a, a human animal practice is, is interesting because my wife and I talk about this all the time. We're, we're making it up as we go along mm -hmm. uh, because there's no template and we just plow through. And thankfully I have Melanie because there's lots of people that do, you know, call the office or, or, you know, message on Facebook, especially on my website or on, um, on uh, the Facebook page and say, Hey, you know, what are you doing in this kind of situation? And, and what have you seen? And, and, and is there any way I could talk to Dr. Bleem about this kind of, this kind of problem I'm seeing in a horse or, you know, what have you done for marketing or whatever it may be? And we try and help folks out, you know, the best we possibly can, because we're all making it up as we go along. And, and, but again, thankfully I have Melanie, she's just a blessing through my practice. And yeah, whenever you get to a certain point, you got to find a Melanie, uh, somebody <laughs> who will, who will take care of you. Cause she absolutely, um, absolutely just take care of me. She, speaking of taking care of me, she, I was thinking, okay, I got, there was one spring. This was back in like, I don't know, 2017 or 2018. And I, I was, I, like I mentioned, I took care of the calves on the farm. And the calves were hitting the ground, you know, there's birthing calves was happening. And I'm like, man, I want to get a hold of a calf. You know, it's just been a long time since I've, you know, had a hold of one. And she found somebody that just had a new calf, a couple of days old. And I showed up and, you know, I got to, you know, snuggle on the calf and smell it and all that, because that takes you back to, you know, that, that time on the farm. And, and, but also I was like, you know what, this calf, 
there's something a little wonky here. It's got a little bit different order than what it should. Uh, you probably ought to get it checked out. I think it's going to scour in the next 24 to 48 hours. You know, it's going to have diarrhea. And they're like, what? What do you mean? How can you tell? Yeah, it, I don't know how I can tell, probably because I just grew up with it. Something's off, but get it checked. And yeah, I mean, it was literally 36 hours later. You know, they had the vet come out and check and they're like, yep, it's scouring. Start at the scour tablets and, you know. I mean, calf dies pretty fast from scours if you're not if you're not on top of it. So, yeah, Melanie was one of those things. She cared enough to get me to a place to that. And that was a really a big trigger. Like, boom, I got to get back to the barn. I got to get back to animals. I got to get my hands on these things because it's going to save it's going to save my life. If if not, I'm going to, you know, jump off a bridge or something because, you know, life. <laughs> life can catch up with you after, you know, a hundred thousand low back problems. So that's kind of, you know, the, the background of that kind of story. And, um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, starting out earlier and, and not having to go down that path might be good for some, <laughs> some folks, you know, I, I find a lot of people that start an animal chiropractic program, they're looking for a next chapter. Like you said, maybe they're burnt out on human chiropractic, or maybe they're burnt out in vet medicine and they just need a change, whether it be a better way to take care of patients or a better way to, you know, treat different kinds of patients, you know, animal chiropractic. It doesn't heal only the patient we're treating. It oftentimes heals the doctor that's doing the treating as well. Because yeah. animals, you know, they heal us really. So um, I, I tell people all the time, like, we don't deserve dogs. We don't deserve horses. <laughs> you know, human beings are lucky that animals are here, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, so. and yeah, the, you know, the biggest thing I want to impress on folks is, you know, chiropractic works. And it, it's going to make it doesn't matter what kind of problem the animal has or the human has. Um chiropractic will improve their life somehow. You may not be able to fix the problem that you're looking at, but something's going to be better uh, in their life. So chiropractic works and, you know, reducing subluxation is, is pretty, it's pretty exciting stuff. And I love to, and I love to see it and, and, and I've enjoyed it for a long time and I hope to continue and hopefully maybe one day actually teach somewhere. So that might be kind of fun. So well, thank you so much, Dr. Bleem. If people can um, know a little bit more about you, where can they go to find more about you and your practice? Uh, BleemChiropractic.com uh, is a good place. You can look at my website and then Bleem Family Chiropractic on Facebook. Um, and actually, interestingly enough, you know, as far as marketing stuff, Facebook's kind of a big deal. Uh, you know, there's a lot of TikTok stuff out there and Instagram and yada, yada. But um, I will have to say the people that are using Facebook Facebook are typically the ones that write the checks, if you know what I mean. Um, you know, grandma may own the horse and the 19 year olds on TikTok, but not on Facebook, but grandma's on Facebook and she sees you adjust and she's like, wait, I want to see, I want that guy to come and grandma's writing the check for the horse. So, you know, that's kind of one of those things. It's like, yeah, I don't like to talk about money and all that, but hey, if without getting the check paid, you know, you, you don't keep the lights on uh, or, or anything like that. So you're, you're in it to make some money, but also to, you know, give back to the animals and, and just kind of, kind of have a good time. So, uh, but yeah, Facebook's a big, a big place. Also writing your story. Melanie's really good at that. She is excellent at, at, uh, getting that information of what your story is, that emotional connection and component. I mean, you've seen the the post that she puts on, you know, Bleem Chiropractic and it's, it's a paragraph, but 
she's the one again i i just i can't say it enough without her you know I'm, <laughs> i would be, I'd be out of i'd be out of practice without her yeah. that's that's yeah. all there is to that you know she she's an amazing gal it just really takes care of me so um but yeah that's you know i, I could go on and on about different things but yeah. yeah that that pretty much sums things up get a melanie get a melanie <laughs> get a melanie know how yeah. to work with these large animals be present Yes. And don't be afraid to get started. Thank you so yeah. much for your time, Dr. Bleen. Thank you guys for listening to this podcast. I hope it served you and your business. If there's anything else that we can do for you, feel free to reach out. We're on Instagram, Facebook, and we're at making strides for chiropractic.com. Until next time, we'll talk soon. Thanks for tuning into the podcast. I hope these free tools have served you and your business so you can serve more patients. It's really tough being an animal chiropractor. I know it. You're trying to meet all these people, trying to get their vet to sign these referral forms, and you don't know if you can make your business work financially. It's hard. I get it. Now, when I first got started, all of my chiropractic mentors told me you have to do all these marketing events, meet all these people you don't know, shake a lot of hands, and get them into your practice. I was always wondering where my next new patient was going to come from. And if I'm being honest with you all, it wasn't sustainable. It always put fear in my head that I would never have a practice of my dreams. So fast forward a couple years, and here I am with a successful and thriving animal chiropractic practice. And it took a lot of mindset shifts in order to get here. What I thought and what I was told would work didn't work for me. So I had to develop a program that worked for a strongly introverted, kind of awkward person who just loves animals and wants to serve them well. I had to shift away from always thinking about where I'm going to get my new patients in to instead focusing on the relationships I built in my community and becoming an authority figure on animal chiropractic. So you guys, I have a free course that's going to tell you a little bit more about how I made these mindset shifts and why I started this Making Strides movement. So that way we can push the animal chiropractic profession forward. Please join us on makingstridesforanimalchiropractic.com. Take the free course and see what it has to offer you. Hey guys, Dr. Katie here. Thanks for listening. My intention behind starting this podcast was to build awareness and promote our amazing profession. If you like what we're doing here, please like, share, or leave a review. Help us to spread this movement so we all can begin to take steps towards change. Let's make strides for animal chiropractic.